Hey, this is Reno Riggins, and you're live with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to your weekly favorite podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D and my boy Jimmy across the street. What's going on today, Jimmy? Man, I'm just waving at you from across the street, brother. You know, I'm going to look out my door. <laughs> People have really picked up on that name, man. It's, it's, I tell you, it's part of the show now. It's, it's Wolfie yeah. D and Jimmy across the street. So, and you yeah. know, Bob Daniels, I'm going to give a shout out to you, Bob. You're the one of the guys that totally pushes that. And hey, do you think I can make like a $5 t shirt with that on it or something? It's quite possible. <laughs> and all the royalties go to you because you created it. <laughs> Not <laughs> necessarily. Just because you create something doesn't mean you get royalties. I learned that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Trying to survive this cold, man. It's, it's turning winter. I know, dude. I hate it. I get it. Yeah, I don't like it because right now it's between my and your birthday, and we yeah. both know that it sucks, you know. So whenever it's around the time of our birthdays, we know that it's starting to get cold, and it just feels colder than last year, dude. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, I think that could possibly be an age thing. I know for me, uh, you know, when you're on blood thinners too, which I am, I'm cold a lot. Like I, I never, I used to be that dude that walked around the house in his underwear. Me too. And, yeah. And- no, ain't no chance in that no more. It's just a little <laughs> that. even in the summertime when the air's running, it's like, ooh, I need something on me here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, this probably past year, I actually uh, have worn a uh, a robe, <laughs> not like a wrestling robe, but like a robe. Oh, yeah. House just because it's cozy. <laughs> It is cozy. Hey, if any last-minute gift ideas for Wolfie D, go ahead and send the man a robe, a nice, comfy robe too. Not one of them. I want yeah. one of them ones like with a dragon on the back of it or something, you know, like a, a an Asian robe or something. Dude, one of those. Oh man, I know what you're talking about, but yes, like like the geisha would bring you, and you yeah. know, yeah, I like that idea. Hey, listeners, what are y'all <laughs> doing? What are y'all doing? Do you not like Wolfie D or something? My birthday is the seventh of December. Hey, couldn't be better. Two days. To- <laughs> And and other people that have birthdays around the time of mine and yours, as a kid, it sucked because my parents' excuse was, "Well, your birthday's so close to Christmas, we're not oh, going to yeah. your birthday, so we can do." You know, yeah, that's not my fault, right? <laughs> That's y'all's fault, you know? So, well, you know what sucks is, so yours is on the 7th, mine's on the 28th, which usually means I get a pumpkin pie for my birthday cake, oh. you know, normally, because I'm, I'm every seven years or so, I'm on Thanksgiving. My dad's is on December 21st, so imagine how hardcore that is, you know? It's like, well, you'll get a better present in a couple of days. Just shut up, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> December babies and yeah, yeah, babies. December babies feel bad for you. So, yeah. <laughs> what we got today? We're doing another top ten list of uh, our our what we think is the most underrated wrestlers. And again, this was a hard one to nail down to just ten because yes. to me, there's more than that, and there's arguments to be made on certain ones. 
and I'm sure we'll get into that. But well, let me yeah, let me say this. This is one that I really enjoyed the idea of, and you know, of course, we love our top tens. First of all, it's just something that we can kind of dig into our fandom as. But here's the thing: the more I think about it, the more I think ours is going to be very different because <laughs> you are a worker. You <laughs> made your living as a worker, as a wrestler. I never made a living from the business. So my little toe tip in the business of the indies, you know, was just to fulfill a fantasy essentially of mine to be a wrestling manager. But in the long term of things, I'm still just what you would consider a fan. And so that's what's going to be cool is I think our lists are going to be so different because it's coming from the perspective of a guy who had a 30 year career and a guy who had no career, you know, so it'll be fun, man. I'm excited. The new church watch along is doing awesome. Thank you all for that. Very happy with the results. Joe Gomez did great too. So very happy about that. So, you know, keep on listening, y'all. It means a lot. Hey, one more thing. Don't forget, go to our YouTube page, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Now you can go on there just like all of our social medias, at Live Wolfie D. Follow, subscribe, like, do all that, comment. All that is so important. If we get to a 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube, I'm going to start dropping our episodes on YouTube as well. So some of y'all say, hey, I really want to hear this on YouTube. It's easier for me on YouTube. Go subscribe on YouTube. If we get to a thousand subscribers, I'm going to start dropping the show every week on there as well. Okay. So anyway, I know that's a lot, but it's where it's got to be for us, you know? So anyway, now Wolfie, why don't we take a break and we'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live It In Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, we're back and we are ready to do our top 10 lists. I love doing these um, most underrated wrestlers in our opinions. And, you know, I kind of had told Jimmy, hey, look, this is kind of the way I'm thinking of this, you know, because we had mentioned a couple of names. No, we we try not to give our list away to each other, but just so that we're kind of on the same page as far as what qualifies the person as whatever we're doing. We kind of, you know, what are you thinking? I, you know, I think we got some differences on this one more than we have the other ones, just because uh, I'm not going to say who, but there was a name thrown out, and I was like, well, but he's too successful, you know. Uh, yeah. So, Success has a thing to do with this, in my opinion, because how can you be that, you know, successful and be underrated at the same time? I don't, you know, I kind of get what you were saying on the person we were talking about. But anyway, sure. Well, who's going to go first this time? I think you go first and then I'll go first at the break. How's that sound? Does that work? Yeah. All right. All right, so number 10 that that I've come up with, somebody just an impressive athlete. I've worked with him a number of times at OVW, and I know he had some success, but I feel like uh, still a bit underrated, not sure uh, why he's uh, not still a major part. But uh, Shelton Benjamin was a 
incredible athlete to me, man. I mean, you know, not a, it's, I mean, very in shape guy, not a huge guy, but I'm telling you, man, I, I've never been press slammed so easy. I don't think is by him. I mean, dude, wow. strong, athletic, he could work his stuff looked good. And, uh, that that's my number 10. Dude, I mean, here's the thing. I was going to ask you, because you worked with all the superheroes, and you worked with Brock. So, I mean, really, out of those, at that time, would you have guessed, obviously, you see money in Brock, because Brock's a former NCAA champion. You know, I know Cena, he looks great. Probably his work was a little at question. Batista was probably a wide open, like, he could either last or go away. But did you see a lot in Shelton at that time, to where you're like, this guy's going to be huge? Nah, I, I don't want to say I said that, but I, I mean, I knew he was a great talent. I didn't know what was going to happen to him after that. You don't know what's, you can, you could just throw it up in the air on anybody really, because sure, uh, hell, we, we both know that when I wrestled the rock for the first time, I thought he was horrible and I, I made that. <laughs> and then, so, you know, you never know who's going to improve and, and it does matter upon your name and what kind of status your family may have in the business and things like that. Uh, but just my personal opinion when I wrestled him that first time was good Lord, you know, and I really didn't know like how long he'd been training or anything like that. And, you know, I mean, I, I kind of got egg on my face for saying that, but at the same time at that point and time in that match, he sucked. <laughs> so it's just kind of hard to say, man, I've seen some right. come in the business, especially like people like Batista and Brock, uh, Kurt Angle was an exception when he came in as a, you know, transitional, you know, athlete or whatever. Uh, most of those I always thought that they wouldn't make it because a lot of them had trouble catching on. But Kurt was a, was a different. Obviously, Brock was different later on. Uh, Batista at the time when he came in, I, I thought, Lord mercy, this is <laughs> this is gonna be tough. But he, they're paying him, man, because look at him. That's and that's exactly what it was. And they is one another one of those recruits that they went out and got. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, to me, Shelton is highly underrated. I couldn't agree more. The one thing I'll say, it was like, felt like Shelton, I don't know, they put him in that tag team with Charlie Haas. Nothing wrong with that. But I feel like they, because I've heard he's got a pretty good, you know, attitude in the back too, you know, so I yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Who knows why he hasn't, but that that's a great one. So my top 10 is, again, I feel like it's going to be different than yours, but also my top 10 are kind of like the woulda, coulda, shouldas, what might have been kind of guys. But also, I just feel like this number 10. Now, I don't know your personal feelings about him, and maybe you never really hung out with this guy, but his name is synonymous with being the bad partner the tag team partner that didn't have it basically if you've heard a million times okay this guy's this guy this guy's this guy so my number 10 is marty Janetti. i I had a feeling that's where you were going yeah i feel like it sucks that his name is synonymous with a negative connotation of a tag team partner because honestly dude he was the better partner for years before sean yeah, and he was good, and and probably the thing that that hurt Marty the most was just the way Marty is, and and I don't know Marty personally. I do not. I, gotcha. I okay. Met him once. I don't know. Never worked with him, but I agree with what you're saying. He's a hell of a wrestler, but we also know there's some wild sides to him, and some just not just a wild side, but just some shit. You're like, what? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. I'd say that probably played a part in it. Although I, you know, I don't know that firsthand. 
Is it true that there are many countries that will not allow him and Jamie Dundee in the country at the same time? <laughs> Wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that. Now, that's a tag team. Throw those well, two guys together. Would they last a week? Not as a tag team. I'm talking as humans. <laughs> yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. That would be a wild combination. Yeah, that would be. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, Marty, you know, Marty always kind of was like the Robert Gibson to the Sean's Ricky Morton. But at the same time, dude, you know, Marty was such a worker, I feel like. Yeah. Plus, his promos were fiery. They weren't like, I mean, they were a little cliche, like, let me tell you something, brother, rock and roll, strut and stroll, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I mean, that's kind of what he was from. That's that's his like, that's his legacy, you know. Right. That's where right. he came from. And, you know, Sean couldn't really talk on the microphone at that time as well. So yes. I don't know. Maybe Sean took more from Marty than we know. But at the same time, maybe it just took Sean longer to flourish. Like Marty was a little more ready at that time. But then you break him up and then boom. I just hate that his name is a negative connotation because I feel like during that time, he was the go guy. He was the one that could really go. So yes. I don't know. But I agree. Great tag team. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. All right. So here, here's my number nine, which is another tag team wrestler. But in my mind, he's more of a singles guy. And again, he had success, some very good success in WWE. But I don't think that people really understand how good he was. Uh, Brian Christopher, too sexy, grandmaster sexy, whatever. Uh, Brian was, I mean, when your dad's Jerry Lawler, I'm not sure how you can be bad. But he was, he had a great mind for everything. He'd come up with some just good stuff, especially when his mind was clicking and in the right place. Uh, and I know, again, that was a situation where sometimes his mind wasn't in the right place. And some of his, his troubles and his demons overshadowed his work. But as a, as a, as a worker, Brian Christopher was a hell of a worker. I've worked with him, against him, uh, countless times on both ends of that. And I always, always enjoyed working with Brian. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, I feel like that guy is one of the most underrated because he really could have been more. And that's kind of what I see there is he could have been so much more. Like, I remember him wearing the leopard tights or yeah. the those tights when he was, you know, he was too cool or, or, or was it too sexy? What, what did he, he wore too sexy. Yeah. I just feel like he was maybe if he were a foot taller, bro, can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that's another thing when you're going to WWE, you're going to the land of the giants. And then also he had the, uh, you know, I think people, it, he was a lot like Jamie in the fact that, Hell, he was he brought up in the business. His dad was a you know a, a Memphis legend, um, and so you, you you go up there and people are expecting you to to be one way. When to him it was just another day at the office, just another show. I think you know, and I think Jamie was the same way. Uh, right. hell, he had been around all these guys when they were coming up, and so he didn't feel the need to you know kiss anybody's ass or or change the way he was. He was still him, and I think that that was part of Brian too because Brian could come across as cocky as hell and then also you know his dad had heat with so many of the guys that were on top up there yeah you know oh I didn't get paid in Memphis you know Lawler did this to me Lawler did that to me and so I think some of that rubbed off on him um 
you know, so yeah. Sure. Dude, I was watching some old Power Pro stuff the other day on YouTube, watching him and Spellbinder, you know, yeah. they were working against Doug and Tommy and yeah. Dude, some of the, that's that's actually when the famous Doug promo happens about Jerry, but we won't go into that right now. Maybe when Doug comes on, if he ever comes on. And, but at the same time, you know, to me, I, I, yeah, I just, I just remember, I didn't like the two cool gimmick. I didn't like that. I, I just, I just didn't, man. I feel like y'all did it better. You didn't yeah. make it goofy. Y'all weren't goofy. You know, because I mean, yeah, if you see some white kids in hip hop clothing, it looks kind of goofy, but y'all didn't really come across as goofy unless you wanted to, you know, and I felt like too cool was goofy. I just, but uh, Hey, I would never say anything bad about any of those three guys, because to me, they all three are excellent workers and deserve all the credit they can get. But yeah, Brian Christopher, man, I mean, that's another one. I met him and I knew we were talking in the back at Saul and he uh, he uh, he was trying to remember somebody, and I'm a bit of a historian, not what I wish I was, but he was trying to remember Jesse James Funk or Jesse Barr, and yeah. I said that name, and he was like, oh, you know who that is? And I, he talked to me the rest of the night, watched what I did out at the ring and everything, and I was just like, holy crap, this is my new friend. <laughs> yeah, Brian had, Brian had two sides to him, man, and I, sure. I've seen sure. them both. Uh, one I didn't particularly like very much, and the other one sure. I loved to death, man. And that was just him. And I'm sure some people would say the same thing about me. But Brian was a he was a he was a good dude, man. And uh, I miss him honestly. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's my number. Nine. Yeah, it's a great number nine. So my number nine, again, you're going to argue with this because he did have a bit of a run. But to me, I think. I, and and there are actually legit reasons why I feel like he didn't get to where he went, but the man of a thousand holds, the Iceman Dean Malenko is my number nine. I yeah. personally felt like Dean didn't have the promo. So when I think of Dean, I think of him in that cruiserweight run in WCW where he's winning the cruiserweight title. I think he won the TV title. He definitely won the United States heavyweight title. So, I mean, they were believing in him as far as to carry those mid-card titles, but when it came down to it, he didn't have the promo, which again, that's going to hurt you, but you put him with a mouthpiece. Maybe it works. The other problem is his height, but yeah. as far as in the ring goes, man, I feel like that maybe I'm talking myself out of this now because he's not, <laughs> he's not underrated as a wrestler. People think he's great. Anyway, I just think overall Dean Malenko is highly underrated because he got kind of outshined by Chris Benoit, by Eddie Guerrero, even by Perry yeah. Saturn, you know, yeah, he got shined. <laughs> is man when you say like underrated like he's not underrated within the wrestling world you know the guys know that Dean Malenko was awesome Uh, and I think what you're saying is just you know the the mainstream public or whatever doesn't know enough about him and that's why consider him underrated and and I see where you're coming from I mean he did have a lot of success his name uh is tagged with success and uh you know a hell of a hell of a worker but I do see where you're coming from um because it's almost unfathomable that you know the what are they the 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 word on the marquee says wrestling and when you got somebody that's as good at it as he is and still you know struggled to get to that that point i guess the the i'm really fucking over point yeah uh, but yeah not underrated within the business but maybe underrated as far as you know kids knowing his name or anything like that i i, I try to look at that sometimes 
because uh, I have one in the house. It's a huge wrestling fan. So I, I do try to look at, okay, if I was that age and I see what they're liking, and, and believe me, they like stuff that I'm just like, how can you even watch that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, just, it's a different generation and things. So, yeah. Yeah. No, dude, I think you said what I was trying to say. So there's nothing more. I just, yeah. I, I love Dean Malenko. He was always one of my favorites. He also looked like my buddy's dad. <laughs> and we always said, is your dad Dean Malenko? And his, his dad was really quiet. And we always just said that that was his dad. Is is a long-term yeah. joke. Anyway. I can't remember <laughs> where it was, man. But, I'm, you know, you say like his height and just his look, you know, in everyday garb, okay, just walking down the street. Like when I lived in Tampa, Obviously, he's from there. And one day, I can't remember where it was, but it was one of those things where I passed him. And then in my head, I'm like, who is that? That's Dean <laughs> Malenko. But, you know, obviously, I'm not going to go back in and, hey, man. I just passed him. And then I remember asking somebody, because I didn't know for sure at that point. I was like, does Malenko River live around here? Because I could have I saw him today. I'm like, yeah. So yeah. he did. He just looked like, um, you know. A science teacher. Yeah, a normal dude walking into wherever it was I was walking out of. I can't remember. Well, you know, that's my argument about demolition and the Road Warriors, right? You know, you're scared of the Road Warriors without the makeup. But with now, again, Bill Eadie, I mean, you know, they can whip my ass. A Barry Dorso could tear me up. I'm not, but it's still, it's just that funny (laughs) thing that Dean Malenko kind of has too. But anyway, go ahead, brother. All right. So my number eight, um, is actually one of the first people I remember seeing live uh, and in color um, at the fairgrounds versus Bill Dundee. I really liked this guy, uh, Terry Taylor. Okay. Now, yeah. a lot of people remember the Red Rooster. Um, and that was just, I, I'm not, I don't know the story behind that or why they did that to him or whatever. And then, you know, he was an agent in some different places. And once I met him, uh, I felt like he, I just felt like he didn't like me, and I don't know why. I really don't, man. Um, he was an agent on one of my TNA matches, and I knew what he was telling me to do. I'd been in the business long enough. This wasn't a case of I didn't want to listen to a veteran. It was just a case of I, I'm pretty sure this was not a tag team match. I had a singles match that night, and I'm thinking, okay, this is my time to do this. And he was – he was wanting me to really, and you know, those were pay-per-views every week. And he was advising me kind of towards a non-pay-per-view style match. Want me to slow it down too much. And I'm not going to say I went against what he said, but I didn't do what he asked me. And I mean, there was, it's not like he came to me afterwards or anything. Cause I had a good match, but I just felt like After uh, purposefully that. he was, I, and he might not have been. And, and I feel like, he remembered me from WCW uh, when me and Jamie had a small run there. And, and I'm not sure what the deal was, but it just didn't feel right to me. And I kind of went against what he was asking me to do. I don't know if that got heat with him. But like I said, even before that, I just felt like this guy is not wanting me to succeed or he's not. He don't understand what my deal is or something. I don't know, man. So yeah. anyway, yeah. he's still in my top 10 because he was a hell of a worker. 
Oh, dude. My favorite era of him is with that York Foundation, man. I loved when he was in that. And then, you know, Terry Runnels had the computer. I think that York Foundation, Richard Morton, you know, Thomas Rich. I mean, dude, I I thought it was highly underrated. I actually have a T-shirt of the York Foundation. That's how much of a goofy mark I am. But anyway, tell me this, man. All right. So I think I've heard Bruce Pritchard try to downplay this. But do you remember back in the day when Ric Flair would get color and it would go up the middle like a red stripe would go up the middle of his hair okay so terry taylor comes to the wwf i think at this time rick flair had already turned them down about coming in or whatever and i almost feel like the red rooster is a rib on rick flair because Mm -hmm. if you think about it he struts to the ring does a little and then he wears a sequin jacket or even at one time he was wearing like the official olivia robe and he had the blonde hair and he had the red trunks and the red boots and then that that red streak up the middle of his hair. I almost feel like that was a rib on Ric Flair. Do you see any merit in that whatsoever? Uh, just knowing the rest of them is absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yes, that could very much be a thing. I have no idea whether it is or not, but the, right. you could be onto something. I'm just thinking, man, knowing the wrestling business and knowing, you know, the way that Vince McMahon does things. I mean, he put Dusty in polka dots, you know? So. <laughs> Also, I've read that he was supposed to get the Mr. Perfect gimmick, and and that's kind of been a joke on another podcast that we won't really get into right now, but basically in insinuating that there's a box of gimmicks in the back and that he got he drew the wrong one that day. So, the wrong gimmick. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to go to my number eight if that's cool. So Yeah. All right, so my number eight, I know you're a huge fan of his, but I feel like out of all the body guys, he is the least talked about, and I feel like the dude is underrated kind of in the same way that Dean Malenko is, is Hercules Hernandez. Hmm. I feel like Hercules wasn't the worker that he could have been, but he was a better worker than the warrior. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I feel like he knew what he was doing more than the warrior. He was a body guy. And obviously with all that mass, it makes you a little tighter, a little slower, mm-hmm. but dude, he was on 20 pay-per-views in a row. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that's a good run, but I feel like as far as talked about in the scheme of things today, how all those body guys are just lauded like, Oh, I love this guy, the warrior, this guy, Rick rude, this guy, whatever. I feel like Hercules is not talked about enough. And yeah. to me, I think he's had some great matches. We know we've talked about both being fans of his match with Billy Jack at WrestleMania 3. But, dude, there's a match that they did not at Mania. It was a 20-minute match, and that was a great match. It actually had a finish. I think it was like a Madison Square Garden match or something. I highly recommend going to watch that. But, dude, I just feel like Hercules with Bobby Heenan in that Herculean gear that he used to wear. Dude, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm always going to say he was underrated. So Yeah, I- I mean, I agree, uh, but at the same time, like you said, I mean, how can you say that somebody's underrated if they had 20 pay-per-views under their belt in a row? Right. And memorable matches, and I mean, he was he was on the, you know, he was one of the first LJN figures. I mean, right. he, he was known, he may not be known to a lot of the people today, I loved him. I thought he was awesome, man. And even with Paul Roma, he was good. Very uh, good. Yeah. And and so, yeah. I mean, I again, I'm I'm gonna see where you're coming from, and I'm not arguing the fact, but I, <laughs> I'm not arguing it. I'm not. I get I it. I get like it. Yeah. Had a he had a good run, man, and 
you know, not everybody's going to be the number one on top guy. I don't care how good you are at each aspect of your game. It just doesn't happen that way. And the cards are going to fall where they may. Um, and so, you know, and I don't know anything about, uh, again, you always have to look at their personal stuff, uh, yeah. how they are. And I don't really know that about him. He was before my time. So, and I, you know, I'm not one to go watch all this stuff and find out who didn't like him and more, you know, what he <laughs> all this kind of stuff but uh i I thought he was a a heck of a performer and uh yeah maybe maybe you're right you know you can always kind of sway my opinion but i do feel like in the scheme of things especially as far as known today the guy's incredibly underrated and honestly people just think of him as this slow moving body guy and i just don't think that's true you know yeah i don't that either I would love to have seen what he could have done with the Ultimate Warrior gimmick. Not to say it would have been the same. I'm just saying yeah. put it, put a rocket on him like that for a minute. You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll what's your number seven, seven, brother? Yeah, yeah. seven. Uh, and and this one, this guy's kind of from what I'm seeing on social media, he's kind of had a bit of a rebirth. Uh, and for someone of his uh, age, it's it's nice to see. Uh, but it's George South. Yes. Uh, yeah. George South, man, he could he can go with anybody. And I may have told this story before, but I'm telling it again. Um, Dutch Mantel ran a show in Maryville, Tennessee. It was uh, to create awareness for the tragedy um, that happened in his life with his granddaughter. Um, and George was on the show. I was on the show. And it was a, I want to say it was like a high school gym. It was packed out, though. But George... He, I think he worked Shane Williams, King Shane Williams. And George went to the ring, and he had the people in the palm of his hands from the time he walked out to the time he left. He milked, and this is in, what, 2000, probably, I don't know. I want to say somewhere around 2010, possibly. Yeah. Or, or no, no, maybe not even that late. Um, man, I, I apologize. I can't remember the date. Uh, but it was somewhere in the 2000s anyway. And he milked pulling his jacket off, you know, back in the day, I've seen a lot of guys do that, but we're talking, you know, in the two thousands and this dude is milking, taking his jacket off. These people are going ape shit uh, because he won't take his damn jacket off. And he keeps putting it back on and going to take it off, put it back on. And that's, that's when I really, you know, watching him live and seeing that I was like, man, this dude is good. (laughs) So not only, But just this stuff in ring, but just little shit like that that not everybody can pull off. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And the man made a gimmick out of pulling his jacket off, and it's that old school Ribera style jacket. It might even be a Ribera jacket. By the yeah. way, Doug Gilbert's the first person I've ever seen a wear a Ribera jacket in person. So, you know, <laughs> once again, Doug, why aren't you on the show? But anyway, George, yeah, dude, peeling that jacket off, like literally, he is a master. Now, what I remember remember about George is I would see him on Crockett. Okay. And he would be growing his hair all out and like, and then he would get, get his hair shaved off. Okay. And then he would show up on WWE TV and then Brutus, the barber would cut his hair off. The dude probably had his hair cut. And I think I read this in an interview of his or or heard it. And he's like, man, I didn't even pay for no haircuts because I was getting them free from the company, you know? Dude, that guy is a worker. He is a great worker. He's trained some great people. You know, he is just that classic mid-Atlantic 
gimmicked up. I mean, just loving the business. I mean, dude, he's just amazing. And yeah, you're right. George South is highly underrated. And even if he were overrated, he would still be underrated. Does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I love George. Well, so my number seven, I feel like is very similar. And this may be where you and I hit on a double one here. So I've been thinking about this. I even changed it. I had originally one on here, then I had another one on here, and then I really thought about it, and I said, there's no way this guy can't be on our list. He is a guest of ours. He was on a show recently, actually, one of our higher shows. It was actually you know, one of the more surprising shows that got some great numbers. Not that he doesn't deserve this, but on episode 65, we had Reno Riggins, and I feel like Reno... If you if you ask the guys like Shawn Michaels, like Ric Flair, if you ask the guys like Bret Hart, and you ask, say, hey, man, what did you think of Reno Riggins? There is zero one of those, zero of those guys are going to say, hey, that guy couldn't work. Well, he should have never been there, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. What the people don't understand, uh, the more um, uneducated to the wrestling business, I'll call it, is, you know, you see him just because he got beat all the time, but his timing, you know, and then there's those that have not seen him. Um, they haven't seen him work besides getting beat. You know, they've right. not seen him in like the the capacity that I've seen him in or worked with him in. And he is a great wrestler. And, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this because that's my number six. And we're just going to go ahead and skip through that. I like it. Yeah. That's my next one coming out. So we're kind of on the same page as far as where we were, where we even put him on our list. Yeah. Uh, but man, Reno was, his timing was great. Everything. Yeah. Reno could go. Reno had a hell. I mean, he was so good on the microphone. If anybody taught me anything from a perspective of one-on-one about microphone skills, I mean, dude, you if you would have thought about it, Reno could have easily been one of those top managers too. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just say he he decided like, okay, he's in WWF and they're like, hey, Reno, we love your work. Your work's stellar. Thank you so much for putting you up. But we feel like you're not quite big enough to be a big main eventer. But with your mic skills, which we never get to showcase, you could actually be a great manager. And he could have been, I mean, I don't want to put him on the Bobby Heenan level, but he could have been on that level had they put that, you know, on him. But anyway, Reno was so good in the ring. And yeah. <laughs> Quite possible. Yeah. Since I jumped ahead, you're going to have to go to your number six now. So number seven is Reno. So number six for me, and we'll take a break after this, is when you think of talented performers, you you think of guys that are, what, athletic? They have good microphone skills. They have, you know, that it factor, right? The five tools or whatever. But this guy, to me, I have heard has all of those, but was never able to really showcase them in a way that clicked with the fans. And you even said that the match you had with him was not what you wanted it to be. My number six is Brad Armstrong. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm mad at myself because I really wanted that one on my list. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't put that on there for whatever reason. But I am 100% in agreement with you. And you might have even put him too low. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I feel like my number fives are pretty good. My five. Three, four, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Brad, I get it. Brad was smooth. And like I said, maybe that's why I didn't uh, do it. It's because I just had one match with him. Uh, maybe that's just why I kind of skipped my mind and writing all this out. But uh, yeah, man, Brad... 
completely underrated, but at the same time, when people bring up the Armstrongs, everybody, and you've seen it on the show, everybody right. says Brad was the best of the Armstrongs. You know, yeah. that's a lot, man. Uh, that is, dude. That is saying a whole lot. It <laughs> was incredible and over like crazy. Uh, uh, you know, and of course, you know, Road Dog and the brothers were both good. Totally. Uh, Steven Scott. Yeah. Good. Uh, like I said before, I worked with all of them. And uh, man, Brad was, he was awesome. And that's the one word you hear about Brad is he was so smooth. Yeah, bro. He, I mean, he would just have a drop kick that looked like it just booped you on the nose. Now, of course, as a fan, I'm seeing it. I think he just kicked that guy's head off, but it yeah. was, I never did I see someone meet someone's face so much because, you know, the Rock and Roll Express was doing it in a tandem and it yeah. was a little bit different because Ricky did it a little different than Robert did, but right. still it met at the same time. Boom, double drop kick. It's over with. Mm -hmm. But with Brad's, it was like, I don't know, man, like a, a work of art. Like mm -hmm. if you had a picture of his drop kick, I mean, man, yeah. anyway, you know, and, and now tell me this because everybody says this. He had a great personality, especially in the locker room right mm -hmm. what, what do you think dropped him off of letting him portray that in the public i'm not really sure man that's a very difficult question again i wasn't around in those days when i could say okay so this was the issue or he had issue with this but the one thing i will say and 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 i do not know if this has anything to do with it but man just the armstrong family in general if you crossed them, they didn't give a shit who you were, what position you were in. Uh, it just wasn't a good thing to do was to cross the Armstrong. So I don't know if there was ever any kind of, you know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Sure. That makes sense. Because he, there's got to be something that he didn't. Yeah. I mean, but he stuck around forever. He did. He did. And things and they tried different gimmicks. And I'm just not sure, you know, maybe one day we can ask Road Dog, you know, what he thought. But I just... I, I don't know, man. For a guy to be that good, you you can't figure out something for him. I mean, right, right. They stuck him in Arachnaman, and then Marvel <laughs> Comics sued him. Yeah. I mean, but you know, that's the beauty of Brad. You can put him in anything, and he can portray that character. Yeah. I, one thing that you know, like if you think about Road Dog, and please, I would never knock Road Dog because he is a great performer, not only on the microphone but in the ring. He can get it done as well. But if yeah. you take his, he's like seventy-five microphone, twenty-five worker. Okay. Yeah. Again, please, that sounds very almost disrespectful, but I don't mean it that way. But no. if you Take Brad the opposite way. He's like 75% worker, 25% microphone. Yeah, because yeah. he really kind of took that 80s type promo. You know, the one that his dad cut was so authentic and real. But right. it felt like Brad never found his true voice on the microphone. You know? That's a possibility. That's a yeah. Because you're right. I mean, there's a there's a style of interview that, you know, with each decade and, and things like that. And you grew up watching your dad do it. So, right. Let me tell you something, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's yeah. not imitating the bullet. I'm just making up. Right, right, right. A generic wrestling promo. And that's kind of, you know, I always remember, like, let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, you know, and it's not even just Hogan. I've heard a million guys do that, you know. Yeah. So. Well, let's take a break. Come right back after these messages. You cool with that? And then we'll tell you something, brother. <laughs> That's it. We'll be right back. Let's take a quick time out 
and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors. And we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. We are back with the top 10 most underrated wrestlers in our opinions. And we are at number five. And Jimmy, it is your turn, Mr. Screet. <laughs> so my number five, this is getting into the territory. You know, like we said, Reno. I, I know Reno. You know Reno. You know him much better than I. But I know Neil. I know Reno. He's he's a great guy. So, but number five, I, I got to know him about like I got to know Reno, you know, through the back of Saw. And to me, this man is possibly one of the nicest guys, one of the funniest guys, but also, I think, supremely underrated. And that man is Tracy Smothers. Mm. Yeah. Um Tracy's recognized more within the business, especially with the younger guys. And yeah. I love Tracy to death. I've traveled many, many miles with Tracy. Uh, Tracy, Tracy was willing to help anybody. And, you know, Absolutely. that's one of the things that you hear. And I can attest to, you know, I was, uh, I don't know, 16 or 17 before I started being Wolfie D, I think. And, uh, I was climbing up in the rafters because you could reach the rafters in Shelbyville from the top rope. But I would climb up in the rafters and drop an elbow out of the, out of the rafters. And uh, I come wow. back. He's on this show. And he's like, he, he knew I had a sprained ankle. My ankle was all swelled up, but I still did it. And he gives me, it forces me to put on this ankle brace. He's like, <laughs> Look at this kid. He don't care. Brother don't care. Look, he's jumping out of the rafters. Here, take this, man. Take this. <laughs> ankle brace uh to tie up and wear from that point on but he always helped me out man and i think tracy it, tracy is is people this is not derogatory this is a statement that has been made a hundred times tracy smothers was a bastard armstrong that's what they say yeah. he was a member of that family pretty much uh and just like him uh him and him and stevie were probably the closest acted a lot alike. Uh, so there's, there's some, uh, backstage stuff. We're like I said, if you cross the Armstrong's probably not a good idea. Tracy, same way. He didn't care who you were. If you crossed him, I mean, I can tell you so many times going up and down a road 
where you know Tracy's freakout stories are are probably you know legendary, and I've got a bunch of them, but where he would just start getting mad about things and things that happened or how this person did, and he was very much a person of, you know, they gave me my their word or this that and the other when we know in the rest of the business your word ain't shit, and <laughs> they're usually gonna. Uh, work you in some sort of way or try to work you. So a person like Tracy, if you felt he was being worked, that didn't set too well with him, you know? Right, so I know right. there was heat with different uh, people that were agents and, and things like that. So that's, that's probably why. And the whole Freddie Joe Floyd thing just pissed him off. And I'm not sure that might've been another red rooster gimmick where, Hey, this is a joke. Let's see how he handles it. And, yeah. you know, and just when they, they tried to make Tony Anthony a plumber, Right. You know, it was like right. goofy gimmicks like that. You try to put that on an old school guy who's not really I'm not saying he didn't want to play ball. But he also didn't want to be humiliated at the same time, which is fair, bro. I mean, you think yeah. at that point because it was basically the end of Smoky Mountain. Right. Yeah. And then all those yeah. guys show up in the Fed and you've got the goon. You know, you think of Wild Bill Irwin as yeah. a hockey player. Now, I know he can probably skate, but my God, you know, the goon also, you know, like you said, Tony Anthony, that dude is the dirty white boy. I know that he was a nightmare. I know he did other things, but to me, he is dirty white boy. I'm sorry. Tracy Smothers, why make him Freddie Joe Floyd? I think you're right. It had to have been to see what he was going to respond with because if he responded well, who knows? He could have been around. But then also, what's funny to me is he didn't respond well to the Freddie Joe Floyd, but then he goes to ECW and pretends he's Italian. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but at least he was getting wins and they were giving him a push. You know, he sh- what he deserved. You're exactly right. <laughs> so nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying it's funny, you know, that yeah. anyway. But yeah, Tracy to me is highly underrated. I got to manage him twice. On the third occasion, I didn't get to manage him and get this. He came up to me, said, brother, we working together tonight. And I said, man, I'm managing Rob Conway. I'm managing Tyson Dean and, and another guy. And they're both champions for the NWA. So I have to manage them. And he was like, okay. And then another guy managed him who had been around longer than me but wasn't as good let's just say that and i think he messed up a few spots and and tracy was not happy and i felt really bad and that was my last opportunity to manage him and i should have said (laughs) forget you rob (laughs) i got i got so many funny tracy stories but (laughs) one in that kind of thing we did a show uh up around knoxville for this dude uh Oh man, Landell, Terry Landell. I think he's mm-hmm. away now. A lot of people had heat with Terry, but Terry was Tracy had a bunch of promoters like that that most people hated, but they booked Tracy no matter what. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could always sure. go to him for booking, and uh, that was kind of the deal there. And I can't remember if Tracy got me on it, you know, for just for a booking or whatever. Well, uh, my my youngest son, his mother was with me, and she ain't never been in the ring, anything like that, every day in her life. And so this is an outdoor show. We dressed in a tent and blah, blah, blah. He's like, hey, man, I need your girl to uh, run down and throw you a chain. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Tracy, she don't work. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And so he's like trying to convince her, trying to convince me that it's this simple. All she has to do is take this chain uh, when we do, I think, a ref bump or something and pitch it from the ground into the ring. Uh, I believe into my hands. I'm not. I'm not sure how how it was supposed to go. But yeah, 
she overshoots the whole ring and it goes flying to the other side of the ring. <laughs> I had to skid out real quick, grab it and skid back in. But then after all that, you know, we're telling she's never worked. She doesn't want to. She didn't want to do this. But he goes back, girl, what happened? What'd you do? <laughs> I'm trying to get onto her. I'm like, Tracy, we told you she don't fucking work, man. <laughs> Oh, that's funny, dude. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Oh, man. I love Tracy. My favorite quote of his of all time is he looked out in the crowd one time and there weren't very many people there. And he said, well, boys, if they riot, we can take them. <laughs> we got book. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I love it. All Go right. Ahead. We're, my number we're, five. You're number five, brother. Yeah. My number five we've had on here. Uh, extremely, extremely creative person. Um, and a, and a, a really good worker, man. Uh, Sin Bodhi. Yeah. I think that for the stuff that he does on social media, the little videos that he puts out, I mean, he does all this himself, plus makes those figures. He's just a really creative dude. And um, for them not to use him in a little bit better way when he came up there, again, I don't know whether the Kizarni thing was a joke or not or or whatever, but you got to understand too that uh, you know I, I don't think it was I can't remember the the time frame, but he had been involved with one of Jerry Lawler's ex girlfriends, you know, and you got to wonder did that have anything to do with it? You know, it's always that kind of shit in wrestling. So, dude, I mean, and Lawler was tore up about her for a while, was he not? Uh, yeah, man. I mean. Yeah, and yeah. for good reason. I mean, if you love somebody and they just trash your heart, that makes sense why you would, yeah. you know. And I, I I think Lawler, he's a Sagittarius like us. Actually, Lawler and Dutch Mantel are born on the same day. They were yeah. born a day after me. So I'm the 28th, the 29th. You're December 7th. So we're all sensitive, artistic type. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get our feelings hurt sometimes, but we also hurt feelings. <laughs> yeah. So that's just the way we are. But anyway, I, I don't really know much about horoscopes. So if I just messed all that up about Sagittarius, but I just know this from my perspective and from what I've heard about Wolfie. And I feel like probably the king is very similar in that he does, he when he loves somebody, he's like 100%, you know. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But, yeah, it, it's crazy, man, because you think little stuff like that, it's got to be tough to, you know, because, I mean, his Sin Bodhi's talent alone, if it were just based on his talent and, and ability to talk, dude, yeah. he's he's a top, I mean, he's a, he's a top guy, you know, he can do it all. And he also had good friends, Edge and Christian. They're like his childhood yeah. buddies, you know. Yeah, but Exactly. So that even more goes, why didn't this happen? You know, yeah. there's something else yeah. there, but. Yeah, well, hey, I get it, man. So, but we love you, Sin. You're the man. Come back on soon, brother. Yep. And I think y'all could have been a great tag team given a long stretch. I know y'all were good when you were, but yeah. if you would have been given a really long opportunity there, that would have been a killer tag team. Yeah. So, because he has that Mike thing, like Jamie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where like Brian Lee doesn't really, not to say that he can't talk on the mic. I'm just saying. Right. He's not really the Mike guy like a Jamie was, you know. Well, Brian's Brian's character in the new church didn't fit that. Wouldn't wouldn't translate with him on the mic. He it was a completely different way. Right. Right. And and you had Jim too, by the way. So yeah. we're, we're talk very <laughs> Yeah, we were let's not even overlook the fact that you had one of the greatest managers of all time. Yeah. So definitely top five easily. So number four for me. 
And this one is where you're going to be like, you're an idiot, Jimmy. <laughs> Let's just quit recording. Stop the podcast. <laughs> is there any other co-host out there in the world? So my number four is, is <laughs> the enforcer, Arn Anderson, man. What? Yeah, I know. So let me explain here. Okay. I think he's a little bit elevated Dean Malenko. I still feel like even though he is so good and so well known, I still feel like in the long run of things, he is really underrated. And I know you're like, dude, he had a great run. He was a four horseman. He, you know, there, tell me, you go ahead. I'm going to just shut up. You talk. Well, I mean, his his work in the ring is is impeccable. I mean, his mic skills, he delivered a different style of interview, but it was all him and it was good. Um, so, yeah, if there's anybody else out there that wants to be a co-host, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get the for that. I want to see what you're saying, but I mean, uh, I don't know that Arn Anderson is in the realm of the Hulk Hogan's and the rocks of the household name category, but I'd say he'd be pretty damn close. Well, okay. So yeah, I just feel like he was always outshined and it, how could you not be? And maybe, maybe you have to have that salt and pepper thing. You know, you can't all be salt. So somebody has to be pepper or yeah. If you like pepper better, reverse that. But what I mean is, is Ric Flair is the shiny, I mean, the yin and the yang kind of thing. But again, I just feel like in the long, I just feel like Arn's highly underrated, man. I mean, maybe what I'm saying is, is in the grand scheme of things of if you went up to Johnny wrestling fan and said, Hey, Ric Flair, man, what do you think? Oh, he's amazing. Woo. You know, that kind of thing. Hey, yeah. Arn Anderson. Uh, yeah, he was good. You know, I yeah. just feel like in that regard, you're right. His promos were a hundred percent authentic and original and his talent in the ring. I loved how he did these snap moves. He was a snap kind of guy who did the snap suplex or he did, you know, he did a very quick spine buster. So <laughs> He did all these very quick moves. I, I just, I still feel like he's underrated, man. I still do. Yeah. You so. are entitled to your opinion, sir. <laughs> co-host at Warren Wolf on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, subject, new co-host. You know, hey, Warren Wolf. All right. I'm going to uh, win you back here in a minute, so you just shut up. <laughs> all, right. all right. So I'm going to number four, uh, Elix Skipper. Oh, uh, we talked about him because we watched uh, the match uh, with the new church stuff. He looks, and I mean, you even talked about that. What happened to him? I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Dude, that talented uh, just disappeared like that. Maybe, maybe it was something to do with him. Um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, and, and when I say something to do with him, just maybe he didn't want to wrestle no more. I don't know. Sure. He got tired of the business. Yeah. Maybe, dude, impeccably talented. I never really heard him much on the microphone, but again, at the same time, who cares? He was so yeah. talented. Another guy like Shelton Benjamin, in a sense, where right. incredibly talented, can do almost anything in the ring, can do more than some guys. Oh, man, some of those matches, the TNA X Division matches, I mean, I know we're talking about the one he ran on the cage and all that, but some of those matches that he just worked in where they would do just incredible spot and it just looks so easy. You know, with me, Elix, I, I would love to have Elix on the show. Obviously, that's a open invite. If the guy ever wants to come on, we would love to have him on. But, yeah. you know, Elix, man, where are you, brother? <laughs> 
What has happened to Elix Skipper? Yeah, where are you, man? But that's my number four, man. Super talented and, like you said, kind of just dropped off. I'm not sure why. Where, where'd you go? So, all right, my number three. Again, this is going to be one where you're like, new co-host, but I'm still going to win you back in a minute. So, number three is, and I feel like he was kind of hidden by his father's shadow and now his brother's shadow, is Dustin Rhodes, man. I mm. think. Dustin, to me, is one of my favorite all-time in-ring performers. I think there was a time after he kind of got set straight on things, after he ran the gold dust run where he was not living life properly, that kind of thing, where he started to trim down. I feel like at that point, he was one of the best in-ring performers in the world. His timing is impeccable. He does certain things so good that I feel like he just is so underrated. And it's almost impossible for you to say that Jimmy Goldust was well known. He's Dustin Rhodes. I mean, yeah. any anybody with that last name. I mean, but at the same time, he never outshined his dad. And I would never even say that to this day. But the best thing he could have done was do the gold dust gimmick or something totally different. And then yeah. now that he could get a little shine now that he's older, here comes his little brother, who's probably one of the best in the world overall, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, man. What, what do you think about that one? Um, I agree. For whatever reason, and like I say, back in WCW days, he's always going to be connected to his dad and and, kind of doing the same gimmick. I don't think he connected with the fans. And uh, that's that's not a knock. That's just the simple fact that your dad was Dusty Rose, and those are huge boots to fill. Um, and I just don't think it happened there. Gold Dust, you're right, is probably the best thing he ever did to you know break him out of that shell. And I'll tell you, man, one of the funniest dudes, man, he's hilarious. We were at a, a show, and uh, it was you know obviously you got to get there early and all that stuff. It's like a raw or whatever. <laughs> and I don't know, it was about five of us sitting around, and then there was a a janitor, you know, kind of cleaning it up before the people get in and all that stuff. And Dustin starts acting like he's got Tourette's. And oh. it was one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. He was doing his arm, like putting his uh armpit <laughs> up to his up to his face and then going like a like a elephant. <laughs> just doing all this crazy shit, man. The look on this dude's face, man. We're trying to compose ourselves like it's normal. Oh my God, it was crazy funny. I tell you, funny. You know, he tried to work that into a gimmick for a little bit because he and R Truth, R Truth is another guy that could easily be on this list because he's so talented. I'd love to have him on the show, but he is so talented too. But he and R Truth were doing a tag team. He and Booker T were doing a tag team, and he would kind of pull out this like little, like, hey, kind of thing. I'm not Uh going to imitate it because it wouldn't do him justice. But yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. He he worked it a little bit into his gimmick, but this was must have been when he was chesting it out in the back. That's awesome. <laughs> so you knew him as the OG Tourette's. <laughs> OG Tourette's, yeah. Yeah, but Dustin, dude, again, you know, he kind of is in AEW, and now I feel like he's wanting back in WWE because he's kind of, you know, when Cody's not there, I mean, he... He wants to finish his career against his brother, and he never got that true. They should have been able to work a good match at Mania because their match, they worked together in AEW. I mean, the rest of the card didn't even matter because that match blew them all away. So, you know, there's a thing in music called blood harmony, and it's when two brothers sing so closely alike that it sounds like it's one person. 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's basically only around when family members do it. But I feel like there's almost a blood wrestling thing too, you know. Yeah. And I feel like he and Cody have it, you know. So anyway. In Terrasante. So, there you go. Big word Johnny here today. All right. Well, what's your number three, Wolfie D? My number three is <laughs> you've been wanting you on forever and you say you've made contact, but it's Tony Fall from Paducah, Kentucky. You know me and my boy LT, and you yeah. know Jeff Jarrett was going to get me. I was going to be the driver, and 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 Frank Morell was going to be up there, and Miss Texas, and we was all going to do this big thing with Jeff Jarrett, and and, and he just went off and left us. Yeah, what do you do that for? Jimmy, I tell you, I've been working every Sunday. I try to get a hold of you, brother. I, you know, I see that you called and left a message, and you told LT on Facebook, and, and, and LT never responded to you, and I understand that. But I tell you, I talked to LT, and he said, man, that Wolfie D podcast is really hot, brother. <laughs> I love Everybody, you. I don't know. I, I guess it would have to be Tommy Rich would be the most impersonated wrestler that I am aware of, you know, that people do all the time and pretty much anybody can do it. And yeah. Tony Falk is another one like that. Almost oh. everybody has a Tony Falk impersonation. And, and my favorite thing is the, huh, want me to, huh, huh, huh. You know, <laughs> you know what that is? Where he puts the, he grabs yes. the, he puts the thumb up in the air and he asks yeah. the people, huh, yeah. you want me to, you want me, ha, ha, ha. We would always, that was like one of the dressing room things is we would just you walk up to somebody and grab them and be like, huh, want me to, huh? <laughs> <laughs> just thumb to the throat, huh, want me to, huh? Dude, I worked for his company, USWO, and I know you did for a long time, and I worked for his company, and I then I worked against him at Saw, and it was amazing, and I, I'm going to find that promo. I would love to hear what you think about the promo sometime, but we'll do that off the air. We won't kill the listenership. So one thing that I will say, though, is we were kind of like doing a commissioner versus top manager gimmick there, where I would try to foil everything he would do, and he would then try to say, well, now, Jimmy, this is, and we worked together. And I'd be like, Tony, I know it took a lot for you to come off that hot dog you had back there, but come out here and talk to me. Anyway, <laughs> love that guy. I think the world of Tony Falk, and I will not rest until he is on this show. He, <laughs> yeah. I know I know, Jamie was our number one. Of course, there's a million other guys, but Tony, to me, I think, is like a Randy Hales. We had to have him on the show, and we're going to have him on. So. And I rode a many miles with Tony, too, and, you know, what a great guy. Uh Tony's another one of those people that there's probably not many people that would say anything bad about him. And if they do, they're probably the goof, but yeah, uh, exactly. And he could, uh, aside from what a person he was, we talked about the funniness of it. Tony could work, man. And Tony worked with a lot of the best. Another one of those guys, that, you know, the big carpenter word comes into play and that, that would be a, um, uh, the lead carpenter probably <laughs> he can build a house right yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I can't you know tony man is just so incredible and and i actually am such a fan of his i actually took him off the list though because uh, i just i i felt like some of these guys and tony could be the whole list if you wanted my number two is and and only because my number one is so much underrated but my number two uh, man i don't should i say it wolfie should you? It's them, <laughs> it's, it's them boys from the hood. It's P to was, the G to was, the one and the three. <laughs> Much yeah. appreciated. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think so, too. And it's, it's because, uh, to me, timing sort of thing, 
you got Memphis in the 90s, no internet, no only the Memphis people really knew what we had going on. Uh, as time went on, you know, you get to WWE, but you're not you're not in the gimmick that got you over. You're you're right. still doing sort of the same gimmick, but you're not wrestling um, because of the size factor at that point in time, which just a year or two later changed. Um, but it was hard to get your it's, – it's a lot easier for people to get their names out there and let people see you now. I mean, that's no-brainer. It's it's so much easier for everywhere across the world to see you as right. opposed to just where your TV show comes on, you know. Right. There are matches out there. And listeners, I know y'all are listening to Wolfie D's podcast, so there's a zero chance of y'all not being a fan of PG-13. But I challenge you to go out there and find a match where they were not innovative and entertaining at the same time. Now, again, again, you were before your time on a lot of things. But what was cool is y'all had that foundation of things that had been done before. And again, that's just the trueness of the professional wrestling sport. I'm trying to speak almost philosophical here because <laughs> you guys had the fundamentals and the foundation. And, you know, you were great in the ring with your moves. Jamie was great and highly underrated, but he's almost seen as kind of like what I described. You guys were kind of like, you know, Road Dog and Brad in a tag team. And I don't mean to knock your promos. I, I'm not because I think your promos were very good and authoritative. But Jamie's was, <laughs> was like the... You you know, the Dumbo ears and the brick house's old lady and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But and there were actually times where I knew my place kind of in the interview and I would think of something, but in my head I'd go, This would be so much better if he'd be the one to do it. And I'd yeah. say, Hey, say something about this, do this, you know. So totally. I, I accepted that completely wholeheartedly. I didn't give a shit as long as he was getting over, but there were times when I'd be like, Hey, say this <laughs> you know what i mean right right and give him an idea just because i knew his delivery would be better than mine yeah i you know i think if i hadn't have, if let's just say this we did this episode the very first episode okay and uh, you know i would have probably still had you on the list but the more i get to watch your matches now at that point in time i'd watched a ton of stuff on youtube and i'd watched all the old videotapes that i'd traded and found at shows and stuff and you know i would specifically go and somebody would have a vhs tape and it would just say pg-13 on it and you know it could be a pg-13 movie but no i knew what it was because it was at a wrestling show and it was always a crappy copy of a copy of a copy, but still right, right. your matches were on there. And to me, I just remember thinking, you know, this is the new rock and roll express here. This <laughs> is, this is the version that is going to be for the new era. And it was just like, y'all were two, two years ahead too much. It was, it was like you were in Memphis and unfortunately there was not a huge enough spotlight on Memphis to show how influential you would be to other people and stuff. Yeah. You guys as a tag team could beat anyone with you, you all in a tag team, y'all could beat anybody because y'all worked as a tag team. And you guys had those innovative spots, original, talented, I mean, dude, I'm I'm a fan, and it's okay to be a fan of your friend, but at the same time, I wish there was a time machine and take y'all like three years ahead, you know? And we may be not even talking right now because you're doing something else, but that would be amazing, you know? Yeah, so. I appreciate the the props, I really do. And in in many ways, I feel the exact same way. 
but what are you going to do besides <laughs> our top 10 list? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, what's your number two, brother? My number two is a good friend of mine. Um, if you watch a lot of his stuff with me, uh, against me, with me, uh, and then watch his Puerto Rico stuff, Flash Flanagan is one of the most underrated wrestlers in um, in my time in the business. Yeah, I God, bro, his he's one of those guys that you know that name, and you're like, how do I know that name? Oh, I've seen him a million times, but at the same time, it's always like, why has he not done more? Because the, I can never see a hole in his game other than maybe the microphone stuff. But as far as in the ring, I can never see a hole in his work. Yeah, you know? I mean, out of all the guys, and he, and he helped a lot of guys up there working with him in OBW that. We've talked about Shelton, all those guys, all those right. guys. Brock, right. all of them. He, he worked with all of them. Uh, and again, like I said, I don't know how much you've seen of it, but you watch his Puerto Rico stuff. He he got over in Puerto Rico, man, and did some crazy fucking shit, man. That no wonder oh, yeah. hurting today. But um, yeah, man, he's totally underrated. I always had great matches with him. I had great matches against him, you know. So. Oh, totally. Another guy we got to get on the show. I mean, you know, he's definitely yeah. on the list. I, whenever he wants to come on, Flash, you're always welcome, brother. So, but yeah, dude, to me, what a cool name, too, by the way. Like Flash <laughs> Flanagan, you know, I know that's not his shoot name, but still, dude, that's a cool name. I mean, it just, it just sounds like a wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my name for him always was Flash Cut the Shenanigans. <laughs> that's, that's always a that's good. I like that. Well, <laughs> hey, that's a great number two, man. But so here we are, my number one. And man, I thought really long and hard about this and I actually traded out some spots, but no one could be more number one than this guy, in my opinion, even though he had a great run in a tag team and is considered arguably one of the greatest tag teams of all time. But I think he's actually one of the greatest workers of all time. And that is beautiful Bobby Eaton. Mm. And again, I know he had some great success, but there was a time that he he was making money at WCW, but he was not being put the way he should have been. And everything they put him in, he did amazingly. And I know he had some demons, as we all do. But to me, Bobby, man, not only nice guy, couldn't really yeah. do the, the promo. You couldn't really count on him for a promo, even though I've heard some Memphis ones that weren't bad. All right, all right. But it seemed like the older he got, maybe the less he did that. So then, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But, dude, again, beautiful Bobby. I will say that till the day I die as the most and, underrated wrestler. And it's one of those ones that ain't nobody in the business going to argue with you on that one. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Because we all know how good Bobby was, his reputation, everything is just being one of the best in the ring ever. Um, I mean, when you got people like Flair and – your underrated guy, Arn, that puts you over <laughs> Bobby. Uh, I mean, that says a whole lot about the people that put Bobby over and what type of person he was and in and out of the ring. And I, I just, I, I, I couldn't have put him even in my top 10 list because I do feel that the Midnight Express is one of the most legendary tag teams in wrestling. And when you think of the Midnight Express, you think of Bobby Eaton. A lot of people want to go with Randy Rhodes and Dennis Condry and all. No, no, no. The yeah. Midnight Express that really got over was Sweet Stan Lane and and Bobby Eaton. And that's just the way it is. Not that uh, the, those other combinations weren't better workers, whatever. Stan and Bobby worked, and it clicked, and 
that's the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette to me. And and still in their legendary status should be in the Hall of Fame Mount Rushmore. If there's a Hall of Fame that even matters, they've yeah. got to be in it. Oh, if it if they're not in it, it doesn't matter, honestly. Right. But with that being said, Bobby's still underrated. I love Bobby, and I remember when he would work. And he, you would see him, and you know he did that little run with William Regal, Stephen Regal, and the Blue Bloods, and that was hilarious because Bobby got to be a goof, you know, and it could show a little bit about what Bobby's personality was. But then when he was working solely as a carpenter, solely putting guys over, and then one night on Nitro, either they were low on security or that was where he was on the totem pole, I saw him working security for Nitro, and it was like... And not to knock the guys in the ring, I'm going to say maybe, let's say, Barbarian and Mongo or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you've got those two guys in the ring. Again, no knock on either one of them. Yeah. You've got one of the greatest of all time standing, looking at the crowd, watching. Again, you, I can look at it from another perspective, too. He, was, he had a job. He was getting paid. Nothing right. wrong. But still underrated, you know. So, anyway. All righty. My number one is one of the best I've ever been in the ring with. Um, I know I've talked about him before. Is really teaching me how to get down. Uh, one of the uh, one of the nightmares and oh, I know. Uh, the the creator of OVW Nightmare Danny Davis is my number one most underrated wrestler because Danny could go, brother. Yeah. Oh, man. Throw my whole list out the door. (laughs) (laughs) If you look up underrated in wrestling in the dictionary, there is an image of Danny Davis because that guy, man, you know, the first thing is sad that when you say Danny Davis, somebody has to say which one because of the the goofy ref that way. And I'm not knocking him, but he was not nightmare Danny Davis, you know, man. Oh, man, what a great talent. And I've never seen the guy work live. I would love to have seen him work live. I've seen his recordings several times, but actually watching him work live would have been incredible for sure. Yeah, Danny could go. And, and I know I said this before, but, man, he really taught me, man. I'm just he'd, – he'd call something, and as you're in the air flying past him, he'd be telling you the next move. <laughs> so it was just that, – yeah. Way, that's the way Bobby was. They say I didn't get to work with Bobby, but you know, guys that can do it like that, man. I, and I'm I'm glad I got to work with people like that because I could do it like that um, when needed. The other people uh, later in my career couldn't do what I needed them to do. <laughs> yeah. I told them, told them twenty times before we went out there what we do. Yeah. So you know, to me, you know, if you you have Bobby Eaton and you have Danny Davis, you look at those two guys right there. You could actually throw the the tag of of missed chances in a sense too, because I think that the big companies missed really big opportunities with those two guys, you know. And yeah. and and Danny's another one too, though that kind of for New York is a, a size thing. You know? Right. Right. Again, you're right, and there's nothing wrong with that. What I mean by that is, is I mean that's probably why like Bill Dundee, his biggest. TV run was being Stephen yeah. Regal's manservant or whatever, you yeah, know. And then even though he, you say Bill Dundee and that guy's a legend, of course. Yeah. But if you think of it, his biggest TV run in the grand scheme of large things. But so it, God forbid they have put Danny in something like that, you know. Yeah. And but yeah, he actually was a manager at one point, if I remember correctly. 
uh, uh, somebody might have to double check, fact check me on that one. But I yeah. feel like he was a manager at one point in Memphis. Yeah, I mean, but you've been out there with Jamie before in a managerial type role, even yeah. though you're the tag team partner. You right. know, that's what makes and you know there, there, we can talk about managers on another episode. Maybe we'll do the top ten managers in the future. But anyway, and I challenge all of you listeners, if you've never watched a Danny Davis match, go stop what you're doing if you can and go watch a good match with the night. Nightmares. I mean, any Danny Davis match that you can find and just watch how talented that guy was. Yeah. And we'll never know him like you know him. And that's possibly what adds him as an underrated level for you. But but again, man, God, golly, love to have that guy on the show. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll see. But I do have a couple honorable mentions that I wanted to throw at you just to see. Canyon was one. You know, when he came into Memphis and uh, I don't know that he just didn't, I I don't want to say he rubbed Randy the wrong way, but I don't think Randy saw anything in him. Okay. Randy Randy sometimes could be very judgmental depending on where the person came from. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, Randy's all about some Memphis and shit. You know what I mean? And if you weren't really a a Memphis guy, he may not, he may not have wanted to give you an opportunity. but then there was others that he did, but you know what I mean? And I don't totally, totally. Yeah. uh, They came from, I forget who all came in with him, but I, I I can't remember why it had to happen, but he wasn't even in the angle, but I had to pile drive him through a table one night. And I don't remember why that was. It was something to do with our angle. And he was just an extra person that we needed. Somebody had to go through a table and he did it. He did it. (laughs) So what about Al Snow too? Do you think he's underrated whatsoever? Uh, yes. And, and, but at the same time, the whole head gimmick, you know, got him, got him over, man. And that's what people remember him as and and probably nothing else. Not, not the new rockers or right. Right. (laughs) Leaf Garrett or Cassidy or whatever. And he's, he's smart. He's done good for himself after, after the ring and, and marketing himself and, you know, but yeah, definitely underrated wrestler. Uh, because obviously with the head gimmick, he really didn't, when you get a gimmick like that, I mean, you don't have to do a whole hell of a lot wrestling wise, you know, That's Not true. That he didn't, but yeah, what got him over there. Well, you know, that's how it is, man. But I'll say this, you know, on our whole list, everybody's been from the past, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And cause we love wrestling and we love these eras of wrestling, but this next segment, let's let's bring everybody into the new or the the now. What the if, new is now, the current. Uh, yeah, what is it again? Oh, current affairs is what you <laughs> DJ, <laughs> hit the music. It's a current affair. It's a current affair. All right, we are back with Current Affairs, and today I got some ones that are just going to have to be talked about here. And, you know, I was thinking, we've had a good long show here. I don't want to really beat a dead horse, but there's some here that we've just got to talk about. In Current Affairs, the first one is probably one of the most talked about deals going right now is the Peacock Teddy Hart documentary. Wow. (laughs) I I want to hear you speak on this, Wolfie D. The guy's a fucking idiot, man. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, 
I'm telling you, I met him in TNA, and me and Kid Cash and his girlfriend Trinity, we went to the gym. I forgot about this part. Cash reminded me of that. But we went to the gym, and he takes his shirt off. You've seen in the documentary, you don't ever have a shirt on. Right. Uh, so he takes his shirt off, and then all the people at the gym are like, hey, you got to put a shirt back on. <laughs> he was all blown away that you had to have a shirt on. And then we go to Applebee's, which was basically right across the street. And he's got on like a uh, um, a baseball jersey, you know, so it buttons up the front. Well, it's completely unbuttoned and uh, hanging off of his shoulders, nipples, you know, everywhere. And at Applebee's, you know, yeah, yeah. So they tell him to fucking put his shirt on, and he had throw fit about that. And I, <laughs> I just remember telling Cash, I'm like, this dude's a fucking idiot. I mean, you're telling me he's related to the Hearts? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which which section of the Hearts? Because I mean, this guy's yeah. You know, and you see in the documentary, first of all, the guy that shot all the stuff, like if he really was appalled, he wouldn't have done this. You know what I mean? So he's yeah. wanting to monetize all the crap that he went through to hopefully find this girl. And I highly agree with that part of it. I hope they find the girl. I hope she's okay. Because, dude, what a douchebag move to go down there, steal her passport. And he mm-hmm. did that with all the girls. That was verified by several of those girls. Yeah. Take their passports and then leave her with nothing down there. Right. That's just, that's brutal, man. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this guy must have a super messed up childhood. And yes, his brother did die. Death, man, you don't know how people mourn and yeah. grieve. You, you, I would never judge anybody on how they grieve or mourn. But. His parents are really pretty square. I will say this. There's a word that they use called enabler. And I feel like that's partially maybe what his parents are. Not necessarily they enable him in an addiction, but they enable him to be a freaking weirdo, man. I mean, you know, like the dad said in that whole gimmick, he was like, well, I'm going to get him the best. I've got to get him off this case. Even though he was allegedly guilty, the dad was like, I got to get him out of this. That's what you would do for your kid. And it's like, wow. So if Charlie Manson's dad, (laughs) Jeffrey, you know, so. Yeah. The dude is just an absolute nutcase, man. I mean, it's apparent and I've seen it firsthand. So this was like, Really no shocker to me to watch this. I just didn't know how fucking weird he was. I mean, I knew he was weird. And and probably, you know, I mean, I got a good gauge for that. I've met some weird motherfuckers, man, uh, in the business and, and, and outside of it, too. But a lot of it in the business. But, man, I, when I when I met him, I, like I said, I told Cash, I was like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, he he's just uh, like a sociopath or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's, uh, he's a narcissist to the umpteenth degree for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I highly recommend watching the documentary. I feel like there's you know a little bit of a money grab for the guy that did the thing because he had the footage and he's like, well, I got to monetize this in some way, so he did it, man. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's it's ultimately for a good reason to hopefully find out what happened to that girl. And he may not I don't I don't know that Teddy Hart had actually the hands that maybe killed this girl, but he certainly put her in a position oh, yeah. Yeah. that is not good for anybody, especially right. someone that doesn't live in that country taking their passport. Dude, I mean that's just gay. That's just horrible dude but anyway what was the deal with him and cm punk in the fight what's what's the story on that again uh i don't remember what it was over and 
I, I only heard it secondhand. I wasn't there that day or I wasn't there yet or something. But right down the hill from the fairgrounds was a little thing called the White Trash Cafe where they catered. Um, and they got in a fight there. And from what I understand, it was it looked like a girl fight. <laughs> okay. That's, gotcha. that's the word I got. from. Okay. All right. All right. So this next current affair is kind of sad, actually, man. And this may be changed because I've heard different stories. But right now, Randy Orton recently just had his back fused. I think it was a couple of years ago that he herniated his L4 and L5, which I've had bad issues with the L4 and L5. I know you've got issues with your L4 and L5. And all that but he had just had his back fused and honestly they're thinking that he may be retiring or might have to retire because of that another one of those guys that's always been there you know as as long as he's he's been in the business and to go out with something like that it's kind of sad but hey you know it's it's taken down the best of them right so absolutely i mean and if you think about it though i i just started doing the numbers okay you know Around 2000 was when he was at OVW starting out. I mean, 22 years, he's made it at a pretty high level. <laughs> very, very high level. And, yeah. You know, taking pay-per-view bumps, um, that's what it does. <laughs> taking pay-per-view bumps and taking pay-per-view money. So we hopefully know that hopefully yeah. he's not hurting. You know, I, I doubt he's hurting. but That's like that. Yeah, not financially, but his his back. So we do wish you well, Randy. Did you know him at all while y'all worked together? Uh, very, very little. Was he just a quiet guy, or was just not? I, I might be considered a quiet guy sometimes. I kind of hang with the people I'm working with, or whatever, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. That you know, because that's natural. You want to kind of get it. I didn't work with him. I found maybe a few times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what did you see in him though? Did you feel like he was just like, okay, this guy's got it figured out, kind of no. thing? No, <laughs> no, and I don't mean that. Like, I, don't, I know like, what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I didn't look at people in that thing. Okay, is this one going to make it? Is this one going to make sure. it? Um, yeah. And at that level, you can, it's hard to tell. But I'll be honest with you, man. Even when I saw him, like in his starting out in WWE. I just didn't. It was kind of like punk with me. I, I really didn't get it. I didn't get it. What? Why he was getting over? And and maybe that's maybe that's a, a flaw in my ability to to see talent. But I just didn't see it at first. Like when he would do that little thing where he like didn't he do something where he like sniffed the air or something? Not like the rock. Yeah, yeah. Like, like stomp his. Like, yeah, like, like punk. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand this. But what do I know? Oh, you know a lot, brother. You know a lot. But yeah, the the punching, it was like he was a predator or something. Yeah. You know, anyway. Anyway. Well, that's Randy Orton. We wish you the best, Randy. Hopefully you have a few more years to go there making that top dollar money, you know. So the third one and final one of the show is recently at full gear. And now from then on, the elite, which is the trio of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, they are using the song Carry On My Wayward Song son by the band kansas okay y'all know that song everybody can sing it but there's a story recently where they were in a fight with cm punk we've covered it several times talked about it till we're blue in the face and basically the whole deal is that punk was a bad locker room guy he wasn't good for anybody in the locker room so their little nod to him of you know, carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are gone. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And it's it's a cool song. It's a cool entrance they're doing. But, yeah, it's a total thing to punk basically saying whatever, yeah. you know. 
F off. <laughs> they just, they're funny. It seems like a lot of high school shenanigans going on. <laughs> it does, man. It seems like, and also it seems like the locker room is running the show there too. And it's just like, hey, Tony, pay for this. We're going to get this. And he's like, what? Okay, sure. You know, yeah, but you know. I'm sure that's great for the boys. And I mean, if you've ever <laughs> been able to be in that situation, I'm sure that's a, that's a fun time for the fellas, but it doesn't yeah. seem like a uh, sick <laughs> <laughs> like a successful business model. <laughs> no, it's true. Not, but but anyway. maybe old Double J can clean things up. We'll see. Hey, yeah, Double J's there. J E double F J A double R E double T. And let's see how he does. So, with that being said, though, that's the end of current affairs. I want to thank y'all, listeners, for listening so much to us through this year. It's been amazing. We've had numbers that I just can't even fathom and thank y'all so much for that so i'm gonna shut up now wolfie d take us out well i mean if you want to shut up that's fine you do what you do. <laughs> um what was it your number four that got you fired today no <laughs> <laughs> i thought my number two got the job back though never uh, mind yeah, <laughs> too <I'm> late <laughs> but yeah thanks again everybody we always have a uh, enjoyable time uh doing this for y'all yeah knock on wood we got some really good guests coming up so Absolutely. yeah Tune back in next week. We'll see what we got. Keep in touch. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. The podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, booty calling Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M-the-man73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. 
It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast, you have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more is the people that are listening, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon, and our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. I got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Rum rush your mother, utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tired of suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks from over and forth later. Not here to play games, so you better be You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When I finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Wolfie D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.